0: me. And welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and founder of Alzheimer Speaks. Basically, uh, Alzheimer Speaks was created because my, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and it was life-changing, um, and there were those difficult times, but, boy, there were some really beautiful moments uh, during that 30-year journey as well. So I'm so glad that you are are uh, with us today. We're going to have an exciting conversation. We're going to learn about the Healthy Minds Registry, which actually is for people that don't have dementia and who are over 50. So you're going to want to stay tuned to this because this information is absolutely critical for all of us to learn more about Our brains and how they react to different things. And so it's going to, it's going to be a fun conversation. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, I would urge you to do so. Um, Then you'll just be alerted every time we do shows a couple of times a week. This is True Talk Radio. So we're not about sound bites, but giving you sound information from all levels and all corners of the world. And uh, I, I love doing this show because I learn so much every time I do it. Um, we, we're we all about sharing new techniques and tips and resources for all of us to live graciously alongside dementia. We also are known as uh, not just an advocacy-based company, but also one that, that helps Uh, Brand companies footprints and kind of expands their brand through our various platforms because we do a lot more than just the radio show. We have something called dementia chats, which are video conversations um, where our experts all have dementia. We have a panel discussion. In fact, uh, later this week, I'll be posting one on holiday stress triggers for those living with dementia that is just loaded with great tips and examples of what anxiety can do and, and how to try to avoid it, especially during the times of holiday, holiday seasons. And um, I always like to give a shout out to a, a couple of uh, organizations before we get started. One is Stall Catchers. If you're not familiar with them, they are actually doing real Alzheimer's uh, research. And we as the public can participate by just Playing a video game. And that video game is called Stallcatchers. So go check them out at stallcatchers.com and be part of the movement. Help push research forward. It's, it's a fascinating and fun thing to do. They have uh, kids as little as. Um, you know, nine playing this game and up to 96. So a wide range. And again, anywhere in the world can participate in this. Second, um, I want to talk about the Memory Cafes because they are so vitally important. We've got about 800 of them now in the U.S. They've just sprung up. Uh, Many are just grassroots efforts. And they're a place where people with dementia and a care partner can meet others on the same journey. And um, again, it's not about separation. It's about pulling people together so they have peer support uh, and just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's it also is free in most locations. So um, check out MemoryCafeDirectory.com. That's MemoryCafeDirectory.com. And last, I'm just going to shout out because you might be looking for some gift ideas this holiday season. So check out uh, this book called Parental Dementia, which has a lot of those critically important questions uh, that families have once a diagnosis hits their house. It really is helps families um, guide them through all those difficult things that pop up. The author is Keith Gallus, and he has spent over 20 years helping families work through all the questions um, throughout this journey. And the book has got some great worksheets also in the back to kind of keep your your thoughts and your needs straight. You can purchase that by going to parentaldementia.com. That's parentaldementia.com. And he is offering our audience a discount. So just uh, when it comes to that discount code, just type in Lori, L-O-R-I. Again, the discount code is Lori, L-O-R-I, and you'll save $5.99. Can't beat that. At all. Well, let's go ahead and introduce our guest today. We are just thrilled to have Dr. Ira Goodman with us, and he is the medical director of neuroscience at the Accelerated Enrollment Solutions, known as E, I'm sorry, known as AES. He is a board-certified adult neurologist specializing in neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. He is also the founder and uh, former director of the state-funded Memory disorder Center of Central Florida. So welcome, uh, Dr. Goodman. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I think this is going to be an enlightening conversation that I hope a lot of people gravitate to and help spread the word of the existence of the Healthy Minds of Registry. But before we get to our line of questioning, I always like to ask every guest if they've been personally touched by family or friends uh, with dementia.
1: Yes, we've had some people in our uh, family who had, who've had that, and again, without autopsy confirmation, you, know, you don't know for sure it's Alzheimer's, but it uh, probably has been Alzheimer's. Either. It's the most common cause, and uh, the course certainly was typical.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for taking time with us today. Why don't we start out first with um, telling us exactly what the Healthy Mind uh, Minds Registry is and who who its partners are.
1: Sure. Well, the Healthy Minds Registry is an online research initiative to understand how healthy brains age. Uh, The purpose is really to identify lifestyle factors that can impact cognitive uh, decline, whether it's due to normal aging, which is the most common cause of cognitive decline as we all get older, or if it's due to something more pathological like Alzheimer's disease. Uh, Hopefully, the the study will identify ways to prevent or slow down cognitive decline, whether it's related to normal aging or what's related to something more uh, significant. And if a signal is seen during the periodic testing during the uh, study or during the registry uh, trial, uh, the person will be alerted, and they'll... uh, either see their physician to see why possibly they might be shown the, the decline. And I could tell you a lot of the times something is found that is treatable or reversible. It's not uncommon for a person to come to our clinic with concerns about having early Alzheimer's disease. And when we go over their medication list, we find that they're taking Benadryl to help them sleep. Well, Benadryl um, is the, what they call an anticholinergic, which directly fights our one of our main memory neurotransmitters called acetylcholine so when we ask the person to stop their Benadryl for sleep and all of a sudden their memories return to normal and we find out it's not Alzheimer's so don't be afraid to go get checked if there is some concern for cognitive decline because frequently it's something else and something that can be fixed or treated Likewise, in the Healthy Minds registry, if there is a signal that there is some decline and it seems it might be related to the early stage of Alzheimer's disease, uh, the person will be uh, alerted to the availability of appropriate clinical trials, which can uh, evaluate them to see if they would be appropriate to participate in a clinical trial. And during the clinical trial screening, the patient frequently gets more testing that either will help affirm or not affirm the suspicion of probable Alzheimer's disease.
0: Okay, great. Um, who are the partner um, companies that you're working with on this? I would, I would imagine you probably have a, a few.
1: Well, it's Synexis, um, which is a site network, and they work under accelerated uh, enrollment solutions which is under a uh, business unit of PPD, so it's a little bit of uh, complicated relationships, but again, it's Synexis is the clinical trial site that is um, directly involved with this. This is modeled after an identical trial that's been going on now for over four years in England at the University of Exeter by Dr. Clive Ballard. So they've, um, they've enrolled over 25,000 participants and over four years. And what's very interesting is the retention rate, Another the, the people who stay in the trial has been over 90%, which means the patients or the people are finding it very beneficial and are enjoying it. Because not only do people register uh, for the registry, but what they do is they collect questionnaires and they get yearly cognitive testing And during the year, they also get updates on what's new in research in Alzheimer's disease, what they can do to slow down their cognitive decline by activities, and they're also updated on the most recent clinical research. And all the clinical research now is becoming more and more very encouraging, especially with the recent uh, announcement of a positive study um, for disease modification with a Antibody against one of the signature proteins, amyloid. Uh, the only thing, the only requirement to participate in this registry is that you're 50 or older, you have no obvious cognitive problems when you start, and that you have access to a computer, and that's it. And the way you can register is simply go to synexushmr.com. The HMR stands for Healthy Minds Registry, and snexus is s y n e x u s h m r.com. You fill out a couple of questions, a few questions, and then you're on your way.
0: Okay, wonderful. Um, now you had you had mentioned that this uh, study is going on um, already for about four years um, overseas, and you know we're hearing more and more about you know the impact of lifestyle, and you had mentioned that that's you know part of you know the registry itself in terms of of um, Getting people to, to work on some cognitive assessments and then also some brain training games seem to be you know the norm out there. What what are you guys doing that's that's different from from some of these others that are out there?
1: Well, it's strictly one hundred percent online, and we're obtaining a lot of data about lifestyle, about a person's medications, about their habits, and. We uh, Most of the registries are collecting that same data, but we're also supplying very frequent uh, updates on what's new. The purpose is education, not just registry. And we're also advising the patients of clinical trials that are available, if it should be indicated. And uh, we're giving them feedback, we're engaging them, and it's uh, really an intense program of patient participation and uh, keeping them updated, and not just having them register and just get, a, you know, testing intermittently. It's really for their benefit, their education, and for our education as well, to see if we can find out what people can do to slow down their cognitive decline. You know, um, it's estimated about a third of Alzheimer's disease worldwide, is related to modifiable risk factors and we're trying to identify exactly what those risk factors are and the best way to to change them to decrease cognitive decline so our our registry is similar to other registries but we're very very comprehensive and uh we've just you know opened up over the last few months and we already have 8,000 people registered who are in the process right now of getting assessed getting their testing done and accruing all of their data and soon they'll be uh, participating in the uh, cognitive enhancement uh, games, which are fun to play, and they're available anytime online. And uh, the, the only real work for the patient is once a year when they uh, do the testing and they uh, enter their uh, data. And even that's spread out to make it as easy as possible for the patient to participate.
0: Okay. Well, fascinating. That's great that you've got 8,000 people registered already just in a, in a few months' time because, you know, there's, there's, you know, almost 6 million people in America that are currently living with, with Alzheimer's or another, another form of dementia, and that is just going to grow significantly, they're saying, to maybe 14 million by 2050 and in the cost. Um, is just exorbitant both on the family side and you know, state and, and national side. So we really do have to get a grip on this and it is I think one of the highest priority items when you ask people what are they scared of. Now I mean it's right in the top five depending on who's, who's doing the research on that uh, but dementia comes up. People are really really afraid of this so it's nice to see people stepping up and Going, you know, to the next basis. Are you um, looking at genetic factors at all with this?
1: Uh, with this not, study, not initially, but that's a target that we probably will be adding to the registry in, in the very, very near future. You know, collecting ge- genetic data uh, is something I think everybody should have genetic counseling prior to uh, to that. What what it means because sometimes when you get your genetic data back, it either scares you for the next few years or gives you a false sense of security. So uh, we want to make sure that when we do the genetic data collection, that the patients are fully informed of what it means and what it doesn't mean. We, You know, our goal is to um, have 30,000 people participate over the next five years, and like you said, so far, the enrollment's very, very encouraging.
0: Yeah, that's that that's absolutely fantastic. Because that's one of the biggest problems I think any of the studies have is, you know, how do we how do we corral people into being part of this? I have somebody on the line. They might just some people just call in and listen, but I'm just going to double check and see if they might have a question. I've got a caller here um, at a uh, from a two one five number. If you have a question or a comment, now's the time to speak. I do have you live. From a two one five number, was there anything you wanted to ask? Nope, I guess not. So okay, they may just be they may just be listening. That's one thing I can't tell the difference of, but I always like to give give people the opportunity there. Um, what are some of your your hopes with this study? Do you have some some key factors you're, you're focusing on in terms of really trying to get answers uh, to some key questions?
1: Sure. You know, we've learned over the last few years that uh, Alzheimer's disease doesn't start when you start getting forgetful. But it's a disease process that begins 20 to 25 years before people get any symptoms whatsoever. So we now realize we have a decades-long window of opportunity to identify people that might be developing this this pathology and intervene. And like in any disease state, the earlier we get in, the better chance we have of being successful. And now we are uh, looking at disease-modifying treatments that can actually alter the trajectory of the disease, which is very, very encouraging. You know, up to now, we've had four FDA-approved symptomatic therapies, the last of which was... FDA approved in 2003 if you look at this year I believe the FDA has approved over 20 drugs for cancer but for Alzheimer's disease the last drug that was approved was about 17 years ago and uh, you know we're making great strides with cancer and Alzheimer's disease we're not and Alzheimer's is really a growing growing epidemic you know the, the biggest driver for Alzheimer's disease is age and uh, Every five years over age 65, the risk doubles of getting it. By age 85, probably about 30 to 50% of people have the pathology in their brain. At age 100, it's probably about 75%. And if predictions are correct, by 2050, the uh, women are going to be lifted to about 103, men about 97. And if we can't get a handle on this disease, do the math and it'll, it'll just be intolerable for society. To support. Oh wow,
0: yeah, that's a uh, hundred and three. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around <laughs> the possibility <laughs> of living that long. And then where's all my money going to go, and is there going to be enough? You know, all those those fun questions that go that go with that. Well, now, I know that you're doing, um, you know, with the study, you're doing some cognitive assessments, and is that done? Um, online as well? Are they interviewed or is that a form they take or or do they do they need to go to someplace local? How, because I know you said everything's pretty much online. How, how does that work with the cognitive assessment?
1: Everything is done on the computer uh, with different, just different tests. Uh, It tests concentration. They test reasoning. It tests um, what they call paired learning. There's one test called trail making where patients just draw lines from the number one to the letter A, then the letter two, to the letter B. And that's a very, very good uh, test for executive function and concentration. So the, the testing is uh, fun, but it's very comprehensive. And it, they're all validated tests. And they give us a very, very good understanding of the patient's baseline. And then we follow them yearly with the same test to see if stability is maintained or if there is a decline.
0: Okay, okay. And then with, you know, the games and stuff people play, because a lot of people, you know, once they start those, they really like those. Um, is that something that they can continue to use after the study is over, or is it just during the study? And in how long of a period of time is the study for people who oh, enter?
1: Sure, the study is lasting five years as of now, and the brain games will be available at any time, day or night, for the patient to uh, participate with. And they're they're really a lot of fun. One is called Odd Man Out, where you click on a design that's different than the other two designs. There's one called Balloons, where there's little math puzzles inside the balloon, and you have to get it solved before the balloon rises to the top of the screen. So they're all a lot of fun. One is Slider. I don't know if you remember those little plastic... Uh, tiles that you move around to get to make a picture or get the numbers in order. That's online. But sure. so everything is online. And again, you know, these uh, different games actually serve a purpose because when we play these games, we're forming more syn- synapses or connections between our brain cells. And so they are therapeutic. You know, it's good to do anything. You know, writing with your left hand if you're right-handed, learning a new language, but. Um, you know, these games are fun, and they're effective, and that's one of the uh, perks, I think, to, to to participate in this registry is that it's a therapeutic um, as well as uh, observational study.
0: Okay, wonderful. When you, I had to laugh when you said the, the slider thing. I'm right away, I thought of, of uh, White Castle. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> instead right. of the, instead <laughs> yeah, we of wanna, the game. We want to stay away from White <laughs> <right> Castle. <classes. laughs> they on the fast content.
0: Oh, so funny. Um, so will there be um, like any like video interviews where they're actually talking with somebody or is it just all really kind of, um, uh, you know, on their own and self-guided so they don't have to it, have interaction with others?
1: It will be uh, self-guided, and uh, but it's very, very clear and very, very simple um, because a lot of people, especially, you know, over 50, and I could speak from experience, are not very computer savvy. So they're they're going to be very very simple and very direct and if there's any questions at all um, they, they'll be answered immediately by any of the participants. Okay, and then one,
0: one of the questions I know that always comes up with people is like, what's it going to cost me, <laughs> you know, to be part of this? They're they're always kind of looking for for a um, a trip line, you know, where they they said it wasn't going to, but but it is. I think there's some fear on that because uh, you know dollars are tight with a lot of people these days, and they really want to know upfront what they're getting into. And I know with trials, you guys have to be extremely specific on that. So why don't we talk about
1: that? There is absolutely no cost to the to the person who's participating. Uh, they're donating their time uh, to to participating and uh, the only cost to them is giving up some time to do the questionnaires and the, uh, the, the testing once a year. And like I said, it's really spread out, and uh, it's beneficial because the brain games will be enjoyed and will be therapeutic, and also the person will be updated periodically by what's going on in the uh, world of, of dementia, the research world. You know, uh, everybody's interested in uh, the Chinese new discovery that was just uh, okayed by the Chinese government. This, the drug made from seaweed, uh, oligaminate. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, what it does, it seems, it's uh, just, uh, it's a sugar in the seaweed that seems to suppress certain bacteria in the gut. And by back, by suppressing that bacteria in the gut, it apparently is felt to reduce brain inflammation. And I'll tell you, one of the largest targets now for research in Alzheimer's disease is trying to cut down on brain inflammation called neuroinflammation. You know, we used to say the signatures of Alzheimer's disease were the two misfolded proteins, what they call the amyloid plaque, which is outside of the brain cells, and the phosphorylated tau neurofibrillary tangles, which are inside the brain cell. But now there's a third very important component and neuroinflammation. In fact, a person can have Amyloid in the brain, amyloid plaques in the brain, and the neurofibrillary tangles in the in the brain, and have those two signature proteins for Alzheimer's disease. But if they don't have inflammation, they don't have the, they don't get dementia. In fact, uh, there's a uh, researchers that have termed it uh, the resilient brain, and it's uh, meaning that the pathology is there but there's no neuroinflammation, so there's no neurodegeneration. So mm-hmm. all the targets now are really fighting inflammation, and one of the things that seems to be able to fight inflammation uh, is is lifestyle modification, like exercise.
0: Mm-hmm. Exercise, that word for some of us, it just makes us want to run, <laughs> you know. Um uh, but it, but it is. There's so many different forms of of exercise too. What types of of exercise are you recommending for people? what What have they have What have they found helpful over in the UK where they've been doing this study for a while now?
1: The, the exercise programs really have to be individualized based on the patient's other, or if any other medical issues, and their own um, habitus and what they've done in the past for exercise. But we do know that inactivity is a risk factor to get Alzheimer's disease. In fact, a lot of people now are calling inactivity the new tobacco because it is that that dangerous or toxic to, to uh, brain, brain health. And, you know, there's no set prescription for what the best act physical activity would be. Uh, it should be tailored. Even walking 20 minutes a day in some studies has been felt to be helpful. We do feel, though, that a mixture of aerobic exercise and resistance training seems to be a very good combination if you can do it for brain health. And, uh, you know, there was a very, very powerful study published about, I guess, about five years ago called the Fingers uh, Trial, the Finnish geriatric study. And mm-hmm. what they did is they took over 1,200 people uh, between the ages of 60 and 77, and they had r- vascular risk factors, in other words, that hypertension, diabetes. Uh, they were cognitively normal or near normal, and it was a two-year trial, and they put half the people just on general recommendations on healthy lifestyles, but the other half put, got put on a regime that included exercise that was individually tailored, and those people had muscle strength training one to three times a week and uh, aerobic two to five times a week. At the end of the two years, the people who were on the tailored, structured exercise program along with nutrition and cognitive training, like you get with his brain games and management of vascular risk factors had a 25% better outcome than the people who are just on the medical advice.
0: Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty significant. Uh, Very
1: significant. hard.
0: Yeah. Um, I had the the head of the study on the show, and I just found oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> it fascinating. She, I mean, it was really interesting. You know how she broke everything down, and um, I, I got so many comments from people on how hopeful they felt after that because uh, they were like, "Well, I, this I can do, this I can change," and now I've been given some reasons to do that versus. Uh, a lot of people, I think, poo pooed it because what's good for your heart is good for your brain, and they're like, "Well, yeah, but what's the proof?" And now, <laughs> now there's more studies coming up with, with more statistics to back exactly the whys and the hows of of the process um, itself, which, which makes a big difference
1: there. Uh, well, go you ahead. In fact, about five, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say about five years ago, a large trial was published. They took all the studies that they could find that compared how exercise improved people with mild Alzheimer's disease and prodromal Alzheimer's disease called mild cognitive impairment and compared it to the studies that were done on how well the FDA-approved drugs treat these patients. And it turned out the physical activity studies had better outcomes than the outcomes in the trials that looked at how efficacious the medications were. Mm Mm-hmm. That
0: doesn't surprise so. me. Same with, uh, you know, you hear about all the studies with music, and yet they they won't allow the doctors to write a prescription for music to be in a routine. You know, when it's like, hello, it would be a heck of a lot cheaper than than some of these other things, and it wouldn't have some side effects that, <laughs> that are at risk there. Now, that's one thing we didn't talk about is, you know, are there any potential risk factors for somebody signing up? Uh, for for the registry that they should think about ahead of time? Because you, you think of anything nowadays, I mean, especially if you're watching any TV commercials, you know, there's just a list of, and it might cost <laughs> this, or it might, you know, do this. Is there anything our audience should be aware of and um, in, in contemplate uh, prior to joining the registry?
1: No, uh, I really don't, uh, can't think of any. You know, the, the data that's entered into the uh, trial is strictly, strictly confidential. It goes nowhere other than in the trial. Uh, No drugs are administered. Uh, And I think the only real risk to the person is not participating because this is an opportunity if they're destined to get cognitive decline. This registry is really an opportunity to be proactive and intervene early before the decline starts, either by brain training or detecting a subtle change that you might not see unless you have the cognitive testing performed.
0: Okay. And um, as far as um, I was going to ask you about privacy, so you, you answered that because that is such a huge factor. It seems like every time, you know, somebody says, oh, no, we're secure, and then all of a sudden there's a there's a breach. Um, but that's just the world we live in right now you know, as a whole, but knowing that, um, you know, HIPAA compliance is pretty stringent in terms of, of trying to protect that data as well. Um, do, you, do you know when you would be releasing some of the outcomes? Um, is, will that be like on an annual basis? Or what are you looking at um, in, in terms of that? Would people be getting feedback and be able to see, you know, okay, I participate in, in this now, You know, what good did it do? What did you learn? Well,
1: I think we'll have our first real understanding of the uh, efficacy of the trial and what the trial is going to uh, sort of promote or or, or present after the first year when we can compare the baseline data to the data that's uh, collected at the one-year testing mark. So after that, then I think analysis will be done. And uh, we'll have a better idea of where to go now. Also, too, as I mentioned, there will probably be some genetic testing at some point offered in this program, and that's still being worked out.
0: Okay, sounds good. And again, people can can go to the website, and that is synexushmr dot com. That's s y nexushmr.com com And uh, go ahead and sign up for the study again. You have to be over 50 and you have to not be diagnosed with dementia. Um, is there any other criteria offhand that can help people screen out before they get into it? Because I know sometimes, you know, I'll hear from people like, well, I thought I was okay, and then I got halfway through it, and then it was like, nope, it kicked me out for this. Um, this, no, this,
1: this I was just going to say just having internet access and a computer, and uh, in, in the trial, too, there, the patient's going to be asked if they would have any interest at some point to hear more about the availability of clinical trials, if they are available in their region, and of course if they would be interested in participating. Uh, okay. But I think that the type of person the population they're motivated and you know the research now is you know most studies now being conducted are going to be conducted in the near future are for disease modification to actually treat the disease itself not just a symptomatic therapy that may or may not help for a short time
0: okay and i I think people are really glad to hear that shift in things because there's a there's been a huge um huge push out there for that along with the, the cure versus care and I think uh, people will look at this registry as part of that care model you know um, help care for me now um, you know before this journey hits hits me personally but it'll also make it um, make it easier for me to understand. You know, what causes it, what prevents it, how I can help somebody who is living with it as well, because you said it'll have that educational component. And again, um, there would be an annual cognitive assessment and then lifestyle and medication questionnaire. And then you'll have uh, inform people of kind of the latest advancements in research. Um, and then there's the free brain training games. To help people, you know, partic- that are participating um, stay sharp. And then they'll also be able to be, you know, one of the first to learn about new clinical trials as they, as they pop up, if that would be appropriate. And, and I think even if somebody isn't showing signs, a lot of people would like that information so that they can then kind of be a steward to help pass that on uh, to some others who might not be aware of that. Um, as well. And it would be lovely to see you guys um, surpass even, you know, the the 25,000 people that the UK has signed up and um, and really get get America on on page with this. Uh, There's been, it seems like, such resistance. And we've made a lot of progress, I think, in the last five years in terms of even just talking about um, things like the registry or dementia friendly communities, but we really have a, a very long way to go um, in order to find our answers and we can't get the answers if we don't have people participate in these very important studies. I, I can't urge people enough to to take the time to do that. Now, um, Dr. Goodman, one question I, I know that it will be on people's minds um, can you tell people, you know, how much time a day or a week do they need to to spend on this? How often should they be playing these brain games and and things? Or is that all a, a variable? Is there a minimum? And then people can kind of do more if they, if they so choose.
1: I think it would be based on the enjoyment level of the games. And they are very, very enjoyable. Uh, you know, people say, well, why don't I just do Sudoku or Jigsaw Puzzles? And we found that people get very good at doing those games, doing the mechanism of the games, but really don't learn anything. These uh, brain games that are on the, uh, on the website and involved in the trial, uh, in the registry, really are very, very innovative and fun and different. And it's, that, that's the key, I think, for forming um, new synapses and you know, new connections in the brain. And you know, even people, and we're hopefully the people who are in the register, most of them won't decline over the five years. But this, these brain games will be very therapeutic, even to maybe stave off uh, normal cognitive aging. You know, like every organ, the brain ages, and uh, you know, we start getting a little slowing of processing speed, having difficulty juggling multiple cognitive balls at once, you know, multitasking. These brain games will be helpful in you know staving even that off we think and and there's no downside to trying it and the least you'll get out of it is a lot of fun Hmm.
0: well that that is great to hear will people get pinged if they're not participating enough will they get an email reminder or something um, if they need to mm-hmm. up their activity level
1: no that would be more optional the only ping they would get is if they don't complete the yearly testing which is you know goes so over hours, but it's spread out over time, so you don't sit down at one time and complete all the testing and questionnaires. It's spread out, but uh, it's important to collect this data to um, make sure this registry is worthwhile to conduct. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Is there anything that we, that we missed, anything else that you'd like to cover that's, uh, that I didn't
1: ask you? Oh no! It, it was it was comprehensive. The only thing I wanted is the exercise issue because that's the most widely studied, um, you know, behavior modification that we think can slow down, uh, you know, cognitive decline. There's um, it was you know relatively recently there's a um, a protein that's in the family of growth factors called brain uh, derived factor, and what it does it it causes Neurogenesis, growth of brain cells, and it also protects the brain cells from, from damage. And um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor is made in the brain, and 70, it goes back and forth through the blood-brain barrier. So when we measure it in the blood, 75% is from the brain. Well, when we exercise, it's been shown that this brain-derived neurotrophic factor increases 200 to 300% just from exercise.
0: And wow. we feel
1: that one of that's one of the explanations of why exercise is good for brain health, let alone the increasing the, the blood flow to the brain, reducing inflammation, and stress as well. You know, uh, there are two stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. Adrenaline doesn't get into the brain, but cortisol does. And there is a link between high cortisol levels in the brain and the development of Alzheimer's disease. Well, most people who exercise feel that. Uh, Exercise is a very, very good stress reducer. So there's so many pathways that exercise is good for brain health. And that's probably one of the strongest lifestyle changes I mentioned that we can do. But it's just like in the Fingers trial. You you look at nutrition, you look at exercise, you look at cognitive training. So it's good to have multifaceted behavior and lifestyle changes. So if you kind of back off on one, you have... Others to pick up the, the uh, lag,
0: rather yeah. than
1: depend on either exercise or just diet or just cognitive training. We like to have a multimodal uh, approach,
0: which which makes a lot of sense. You know, it just uh, makes a ton of sense. I know for me, with you know just adapting to my my work lifestyle, I, I sit way more than I need to, and I'm trying to like get myself on some kind of schedule to get up and move because I sit in front of this dang computer. Constantly, you know, and now I don't go to meetings. I have video conferences, and I mean, it's it's getting worse. I don't even get into my car and go, you know, like <laughs> to go. And I and I don't think I'm alone in that. And yet, the demands of of jobs and lifestyles and the way we communicate has really taken away um, a lot of a lot of the, you know just normal exercise. Um, that, that we used to, you know, get in in a day. And so I, I know for me, I personally still struggle with that. And it's, it's definitely on my list um, to, to do better with because I, I, you know, I just turned 60. I can feel the muscle loss and the whole nine yards. I mean, it's like my whole body's changing, <laughs> <you know? laughs> and, and, and I sit here and I, I interview people on this stuff and I have to become more active myself. In terms of walking the talk with with some of this uh, that I learn as well, not just be a voice piece, but really, you know, walk, walk the talk with that. So um, do you uh, you guys do anything? um, Is is anything with uh, meditation incorporated? Because I know that that I believe there's been studies as far as the cortisol to reduce the stress with that as well. And um, just interested if that is part of the registry of, of practices that people could put in play.
1: Not yet, but that's certainly a, a thought. And I think that the study may evolve over t- over the years that, that it's conducted. Things will be added, maybe some things will be taken away. Um, one of the things that's not in the in the trial but should be stressed, as you were talking about exercise and nutrition, is sleep. That's mm-hmm. very very. Um, you know, forgotten a lot of the times, and you know, we've found over the last couple of years that when we sleep, we're clearing out the toxins in our brain. And one of the toxins that we clear is the amyloid, which is one of the signature proteins for Alzheimer's disease. And we used to say, well, people with um, Alzheimer's disease don't sleep well, but now we're thinking, well, maybe poor sleep may contribute to Alzheimer's disease. So sleep is so important. There's no magic number on the number of hours of sleep. Everybody's different, but A target of about seven hours is felt to be a reasonable target to try to uh, attain. And people, if they don't sleep, need to find out why they're not sleeping and have that corrected. And for example, like obstructive sleep apnea, and there's a lot of causes, correctable causes of poor sleep.
0: Yep. Yeah, oh, oh, for sure. And and the sleep apnea, I mean, that's just almost a crisis in itself (laughs) in our in our world or the the stress that just keeps people up you know flipping and flopping and I I was one that I used to get up in the middle of the night and do work and uh so that I could go back back to sleep and stuff and I I do much better one of my my favorite um interviews that I was watching was Rudy Tansy and he you know he kind of he he loved and he was very proud of being a multitasker and didn't need much sleep. And he's
1: like, not anymore. <laughs>
0: you know that that's gone to the top
1: of the well, Rudy Tans- top of the charts for him. Well, Rudy Tanzi came up with the name resilient brain, and he has this very fascinating theory of uh, infection as a as a trigger for Alzheimer's disease. In fact, I was out with him the other night at the uh, CTAD meeting out in San Diego, and I spent several hours with him. and very Brilliant, enjoyable person.
0: So are you a musician too? Because I know he, he's, he's very much a, <laughs> hangs out with the music. No, and, but
1: and he... I tinkered in the piano, but he's a real he's a he was on the keyboards for Aerosmith and in fact where we were at there was a piano sitting there and he got up and played the most beautiful music that I think I've heard in the last twenty years. He's so yeah. multifaceted.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I've heard about him. I've never met him in person. I would I would love to meet him or and have him on the show here as well. I've got another caller from a nine five four number, and I'm just going to see if they have a question. Uh, nine five four. Did you have a question or a
1: comment? Hi. Good afternoon. This is Nicole Silviano. I just want to say I'm a huge fan of Ira, and I have one question. Um, I want to know what you would recommend to reduce the likelihood of ever developing Alzheimer's, um, for instance, physical activity. Well, did you, get you know, this? yeah, I, I didn't get the last yes. couple words. Okay. Are so there any the, physical activities you would possibly, uh, recommend to those who, you know, reduce the likelihood of ever developing Alzheimer's?
0: Okay, well, so physical activity. activities that they could do to um, reduce uh, Alzheimer's or, or possibly avoid it?
1: Well, it's, it's never too early to start. And, uh, you, know, ex- physical, you know, exercise, number one, again, it fights diabetes, fights stress, it fights inflammation, uh, a good diet. And we don't have the magic formula for a good diet yet. What we do feel is that diet's low in saturated fats. Uh, high in protein, low in carbohydrates, kind of like the Mediterranean-style diet, but getting your sugar from vegetables rather than fruit, and a low-salt diet. There's some even recent, very recent experimental animal evidence that a, high salt, a very high-salt diet can uh, contribute to uh, the abnormally folded tau protein in the brain in Alzheimer's disease. But, you know, it's interesting. We used to think that... Um, Alzheimer's is a disease of the elderly. Well, in most people, it starts in middle life. And in fact, if you look at um, brains of people across all stages of life, we probably have our maximal brain volume at about age 27. And then you start seeing some very, very subtle cortical thinning, you know, thinning of the brain. And then by age 60, it actually starts getting smaller, about 1% a year. So brain changes begin earlier than we ever, ever imagined. And it's never too early to go ahead and start lifestyle modifications, which are, um, are very important. You know, there's a, a, a group of people over 80 we term superagers. These people, um, although they're 85 or 90, have memories the same as people who are 40s and 50s. And uh, you know, we're not sure why it happens, but they can even accumulate the uh, pathology for Alzheimer's disease, but not get dementia, the so-called resilient brains. And, uh, you know, we've found recently that loneliness seems to be an independent risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. And people, these superagers, have a certain type of brain cells called von Economo cells, which are cells that mammals have that are socialized animals. They're uh, for socialization, social intelligence. Like uh, you know, elephants have them, porpoises have them. Well, superagers have five times more than non-superagers, suggesting that socialization is a very important part of preventing cognitive decline. And also by exercising, or socializing, by doing cognitive training, by getting out with people. So, lifestyle modification, I think, start, can start at any age to hopefully stave off dementia when you're younger, older.
0: Wonderful. Thank you.
1: It's th- very valuable information.
0: Great. Thanks, Nicole, for calling hey, in.
1: Thanks. thanks. Nicole.
0: Um, no, that was wonderful. And you know, you mentioned that social aspect. I've been pushing that for years. I, I think that there's just such a huge difference when people are socially connected. I, I truly think that's why my mom lived as long as she did, because she stayed socially connected and I and I talk with many People who are diagnosed with various forms of dementia, and they say they feel more purposeful than they ever did in their whole life in terms of staying connected. And, and some of them even get bullied for what they do because they don't sound like they have dementia because people have these stigmas in their head of what someone's going to look like and sound like and, and be able to do. And they always say, but they have no idea how I break down when I go home. You know, it's taking all my energy to kind of perform and, and connect. And um, I think that that's a real, real valid, uh, real valid key there. Well, this has just been, a, a, I think, a wonderful conversation. And again, people can get involved by going to Synexishmr.com. That's S-Y-N-E-X-U-S-M, I'm sorry, H-M-R- for uh, HealthyMindRegistry.com um, again, SynexusHMR.com, and um, and learn about uh, the Healthy Minds Registry. And um, I'm hoping that you'll sign up so that we can, you know, get that 30, 30 000 people that they like uh, like in this registry, so we can really collect a lot of data. It's going to help all of us. In the long run, um, again, um, Dr. Goodman, thank you so much for your time today. I, I think this has been really um, a hopeful and uplifting conversation of what people can do because they're always asking, you know, what can what can I do to make a difference? And this being part of the study will make a
1: difference, will it not? Oh, it will. And uh, people have to be advocates for themselves, and by entering into this uh, this trial. Uh, that's that's a, a big step. And it's a commitment, mm-hmm. but it's a commitment that will be certainly worthwhile, just like exercising and doing other things to stave off cognitive decline. Because like I said, people are getting older, and people are developing this, you know, the population over 65 is doubling, over 85 quadrupling. And as we all know, this disease is not going away.
0: no. Nope, it's going to go out kicking and fighting, I'm afraid to say. It's uh, hanging on for the, for the long run there. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. Again, the links are um, on both the, uh, the radio page as well as the blog. And, again, I encourage you very much to go to the website. And, uh, again, that is E X U S H. M-R.com. And uh, again, for our listeners, thank you so much for for listening. I've really appreciated you uh, hanging in there with us. Spread the word. Um, continue to like, click, and share this program because uh, that is really how you've raised awareness um, and spread the word of Alzheimer Speaks, our, our work, our radio show, and, you know, People need this information. They deserve this information. So it'll just take a second of your time. And again, don't forget to click on that subscribe button so you can you can always be updated. You know, helping helping each other out by these little things of sharing knowledge, you know, build a sense of community and collaboration and comfort. And we all deserve that. And I truly believe that's the way we're going to win this battle against Alzheimer's disease. Again, our main website is alzheimerspeaks.com. You go to the initiatives and the projects and tab, and you'll find all kinds of resources there. Have a blessed uh, holiday season. Bye, everyone.
1: It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed.